2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 10. We have a baby dedication at the end of service. I always enjoy that. And uh, thankful to the Lord for giving us a future. Can somebody say amen? amen? 2 Peter chapter number 3, verses 10 through 13. 2 Peter 3, verse 10 through 13. I do want to say, while you're turning there, all the workers that helped getting ready for and uh, doing the, the Young Ministers Conference this week, thank you so much. I had so many uh, texts and calls from pastors and people that came and how much they enjoyed it and how much you uh, blessed them. And so thank you. They wanted me to be sure that I let you know how much they appreciate all of what you've done this week. And I do appreciate it. Thank you. Second Peter, chapter number three. If you found it, say amen. amen. Verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come. As a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I taught this as a Bible study Wednesday night. The reason I taught it Wednesday night was because I feel such a burden for this message that I wanted to get my Wednesday night crowd to pray with me. I asked them to, Bishop. I told them, I said, I'm preaching it Sunday morning and I need you to be praying with me because I feel very strongly that this is somebody's opportunity. And it may be it may be someone's last chance to feel the pull of the Spirit of God on their heart. In verse 11, the apostle asked the question, seeing then that all these things, heaven, earth, all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? I want to preach the persons we ought to be. The persons we ought to be. Lord, I pray for your anointing. 
not enticing words of men's wisdom, not a sermon prepared on paper, not spiritual manipulation. But God, I pray that you would anoint the preaching of your word, your book. And I ask you, Lord, anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Not by power and not by might, but by your Spirit. Lord, I'm asking you to send the Holy Ghost into this place. Walk among us. Touch us. Anoint us. Let it bring with it the spirit of conviction that leads to repentance. God, I'm asking you to do something here that is beyond my ability. Not something that can come with oratory, but something that comes by a move of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, let there be fire in this altar. Let there be anointing in this building. Let the word be received and mixed with faith. God, I'm asking you as I stand before your people to help me. Help me bear the responsibility of souls this morning. Help me to only say what you want me to say and help me not to add anything or take away anything. But just to speak as your voice. Help my mind, oh God, to filter out things that do not come from you. Help my heart, oh God, to be completely and totally in tune with yours. Confirm your word with signs following. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good praise as you're being seated this morning. It is important to remember that all 12 of the apostles were of Jewish descent. They had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. And of course, they were born again in the upper room, according to Acts chapter number 2. But it's important to understand that the doctrines and practices that they were raised to believe were the foundation of what they brought into the church. They had Jewish sensibilities, backgrounds. They had been trained in the Torah, in the law, in the prophets. And then they had been thoroughly trained by Jesus to know how to take the lessons of the law and the prophets and to apply it to the New Testament church. These Jewish foundational sensibilities and backgrounds and the training of Christ himself who came from the same background informed their foundation for the New Testament theologically. Their principles and doctrines they had been raised remained solidly embedded in Christian theology. This principle clarifies and informs their view of the Godhead. 
and other essential doctrines. One of those things that they had learned often in their youth was the term the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord appears 19 times in the Old Testament. Four times in the New Testament. The New Testament did not take the time to clarify exactly what it means because it was based on those 19 references that had already been produced in the Bible. And so our text is one of the four New Testament instances of the writing of the day of the Lord. The verse we began with, 2 Peter 3 and 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The apostle Peter's Jewish understanding provided the basis for what he was teaching about the day of the Lord. When you look at all of these day of the Lord passages, the prominent theme of every prophecy is the coming judgment of God on sin. The apostle Peter speaks of the day of the Lord as the final judgment of God upon the sin and the sinner. He uses the metaphor of a thief much like Christ himself did in the Gospels. He will not announce that he's going to begin judgment upon the world and mankind for their sin. He's not going to say tomorrow at 1130, I'm coming back and I'm taking my people away. He's not going to say next week on Sunday at 1052 in the morning, I'm going to send judgment on sin. He said, no, the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. When someone's asleep and unprepared and not watching, the obvious message is that if you want to be ready when that day comes, then you have to prepare yourself and live on ready all the time. I mentioned Wednesday night that uh, when I was a teenager, I, our, our big event, was going to church camp every year. We, uh, we, 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 we would look forward to church camp and uh, going and being on the campground with, with other churches. And we would go to church camp and look forward to it all year long. And I told the church Wednesday night that, that all through the year as a teenager, I wasn't really living for God. I was, I was, I was in the church, but not of the church. And, uh, I, I was, I was uh, just a church kid. I knew, I knew I was supposed to be at church, so I came, but I wasn't really living for God. But I do remember in between camp meetings, I would pray, and I'd say, God, don't come back till camp meeting time. I'd, because I knew I'd be ready at camp meeting, but I really, what I really did is I asked the Lord not to come back till Friday night of camp meeting. Because there was a lot of girls there, 
and I wanted to give them Monday through Thursday. One of those camp meetings, a guy had written a book titled 88 Reasons Why God is Coming Back September the 12th of 1988. And so while they were preaching about that and the Lord's coming back and they said, I don't know if he's coming back September the 12th or not. Camp meeting was always around my birthday, which is August 11th. So every year I'd have my birthday at camp meeting. And, uh, and so my birthday being around August 11th, I thought that means I've got, if, let's see, if it's the 11th and he's not coming until September the 12th, then I've got a full month before I have to worry about it. And uh, so that means on September 11th, I'm going to get myself really serious because tomorrow the Lord said he's coming like a thief. He's not going to announce the when and how he's coming. The day of judgment will come as a thief in the night. The Bible says, again, 2 Peter 3 and 10, that when that day comes, that the Bible said the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. I don't know if that means some kind of a massive universal explosion that's going to break the universe apart and consume it. All I know is the Bible said that when that day comes, the heavens are going to pass away. And the elements, most scholars believe that term, the elements, means the planets and the moons and the stars and all the things that are in the universe are going to melt with fervent heat. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that day will be like when Jupiter and Saturn and all these planets that they say are, are so many times larger than the earth that in one moment they're going to melt. They're going to be gone, melt like a candle. The whole universe, the elements are going to melt. And then the Bible said the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This terrible day of the Lord, this terrible moment when God brings a violent burning wrath poured out in a dramatic and devastating way on this earth and on the heavens and the universe, Peter was making sure that the church knew what the wrath of God was going to be like. This fearsome fury that was going to be unleashed on the universe. I know, I know that our modern sensibilities don't like to think about the judgment and the wrath of God. I know that, that, uh, that, that in our modern world where everybody gets a participation trophy, that they don't like to think that there might be some kind of a devastating day but can I tell you that just because we don't like to think about it does not mean that God's judgment will not be poured out on this earth and on sin and sinners. The violent, burning wrath of God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you know me at all, you know I don't like preaching this kind of message. If you know me at all, you know I like to preach more that you can make it, you can overcome, you can get there. You, God's going to help you. Amen. You know that that's the way I like to be. But when God placed this burden on my soul the other day and I began to understand the implications of what God means when he inspires the pastor, the man of God to get in the pulpit 
and remind the church and the guests that there is a judgment day coming. It sends a shock through my spirit and my heart because the implication is that if God is telling me to preach it, that somebody in this room and somebody watching online is in danger of that judgment and wrath of God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I will readily admit, I will readily admit that one of my great weaknesses as a pastor is that I don't like preaching the judgment of God and I don't like preaching about hell. I don't like it, Brother Connor. I don't like it when I feel like I'm being pushed to preach that. I would much rather, I would much rather get in this pulpit and say God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I would rather stand here and say God has decided to bless you. And to, I know, and that's my heart. That's what I like to preach. But sometimes when God puts a fire in your spirit and you can't sleep. My wife asked me, she said, how did you sleep? I said, I don't think I've slept good for weeks. I said, I feel like I get up. I feel like I wake up every 10 or 15 minutes. And she said, that's not true because you snore at least 15 to 20 minutes at a time. I said, well, then I get up every 20 minutes then, whatever. I'm telling you, this world is racing. This world is racing towards judgment. Amen. Right now, we got a brother from our church working a double homicide. And then in the middle of that, it gets another message. There's been a drive-by. I'm not talking about New York City and Los Angeles and Chicago. I'm talking about right here in Marshall County. This world is falling apart at the seams. Men and women are, are, are struggling just to keep themselves together. I'm telling you, this world is not my home. Hallelujah. I am glad this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up. My God, I'm telling somebody that this world is racing towards judgment. Oh, God. I think, I don't know, it's, it's been sometime maybe within the last month, maybe six weeks, I've, I, was, I, was, uh, I was preaching about that old song that says... Um, Many will meet their doom. You remember that? What's that? What's this? Jesus is coming soon. Man, I wish I could sing Bishop Wilson. There's been times when I've been preaching and I knew it was a dud that I thought, man, if I could just sing right now. Brother Michael Yoderchek, you know Brother Yoderchek. Man, that guy just, pre he's preaching along, he's preaching along. And then out of the blue, he breaks out into a song and all God's children run to the altar. If I broke out in a song... The parking lot would be full within 10 seconds. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. And I've always, I've always had a problem with, 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 not with that song necessarily, but I've always had a bit of an issue with churches when we sing that song. Because I don't know if I've ever been in a church where they were singing that song. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night. Or, see, I'm a rapper. <laughs> Many will meet their doom. And, and we'll be just, everybody just be clapping along and worshiping. And then when we get to that part, many will meet their doom. They're like, yeah, woo. Get them, God. That's not the spirit I'm preaching with today. 
I'm not preaching this because I'm excited about thinking that somebody's going to be lost in hell. My worst enemy, I don't want them to go to hell. Whoever, this, whoever the person is in this world that's the most wicked, vilest individual that's walking on this planet, I shudder at the thought that they'll spend eternity in a lake of fire. Oh, God. Oh, God. This violent, burning wrath of God is going to be poured out on the universe. The Bible said the heavens are going to burn and the elements are going to melt and the earth and all that's in it is going to be consumed with the fearsome, fiery wrath of God. And Peter is telling the church so that they'll understand what it will be like in the end when God pours His wrath on the world. The overall message is that God's wrath is going to be devastating to everything in the universe and on the earth. There's no place to hide from it. There's no way to get away from it. I was reading. We, we have a, a brother, one of my dear friends that I grew up with, Brother Tim White. He, uh, he was here at camp meeting last year. He was, uh, he was here at this conference. He's got a church. It's three years old, a home missions church in Arkansas. I had the privilege of speaking to his congregation just about four weeks ago on a Thursday. While he was sitting in this building during the conference on Friday, he got a message that a tornado had gone through Little Rock and the building that they rent is completely gone. And then he got another message that one of the brothers that was with him, that the apartment complex that his family lives in was completely destroyed. And then so now we're standing out there and some men from our church are, and are, are out there with them while they're trying to find out if his wife made it to work before the place, if his kids got the daycare before the... And, I'm, and, and, and I was listening and I was, I was listening to an interview of somebody and they were talking about how they survived the storm and they said, well, I've always been told that if a tornado's coming, go get in the bathtub and cover up. And, and so he said, I ran to the bathtub and I could hear the sound of the storm swirling all around and somehow I made it but when the judgment of God comes on this earth it's going to destroy the heavens and the earth you can't hide anywhere you can't look I know what it's like just let me preach to you for a few minutes today I know what it's like to be lost in a church building. I know what it's like to be a young person that's not living for God and standing between the pews when the pastor gets up and preaches. I stood in church so many times in my mind trying my best to get my brain to think about something else. Amen. Brother Aaron, I would, while the pastor was preaching about the judgment of God and the coming of the Lord, I would try to force myself to think about sports or this or that. I would do anything I could to not listen to what that preacher was saying because the implications of what it meant to me were more than I could bear. I'm telling you, the Bible says there is a certain fearful looking for of judgment. I'm not happy about it. I wish it wasn't true, but I had to stand behind this pulpit and tell you that at some point, the entire earth is going to melt. The universe is going to be on fire. And when that day comes, you better make sure that you've done everything you can to be right. The 
Apostle Peter's trying to establish a mood and a mindset in the church. He's writing to the church. And he wants them to feel the burden of God's judgment. Roy Rogers, famous, I guess he was an actor, a cowboy or something. I know there was, used to be a Roy Rogers chicken restaurant. Roy Rogers said the best thing about the good old days is a bad memory. And so maybe, maybe, Brother Wilson, my, it's my memory. Maybe it wasn't this way. But it seems to me when I was young and a pastor preached about the judgment of God. You didn't have to beg people to come to an altar. You almost had to beg them to wait till you were done. Maybe, maybe I'm just not remembering right. Maybe, maybe as a kid, I just, I just didn't. But, but it seemed to me that when the, the man of God preached about the judgment of God, people didn't just brush it off and go out like they didn't hear it. They didn't just get up and, and go in and out 15 times to the bathroom during the sermon. And as soon as they have him stand at the end, get to the car as quick because I'd rather get to the restaurant quick than get to the altar. Maybe I'm just not remembering it right. Maybe something in my mind has caused me not to remember it the way it was. But I seem to remember times when the man of God would preach and people would run to an altar because they knew that the judgment of God was more than they wanted to bear. So he's telling the church the heavens are going are gonna to be dissolved. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? I've got this, this, this uh, electrolyte powder stuff. That one day I was on Amazon and I wanted to be healthy. So I ordered it. But by the time it got to me, I didn't want to be healthy anymore. But I paid for it. So it, 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 it had some kind of, it's called Element and it has some kind of stuff in it. I don't know. It's not that good. I know that much. But you got to empty it in water. Just powder and empty it in water. Pour that, you pour that that little packet in that bottle of water, and you watch it. And it just dissolves, it's just gone. And it was it was there, and now it's dissolved. And he said the heavens are going to dissolve. Yes. You ever go out? I know that, that that those city folks they they don't see what we see at night in the in the country. But would, you ever go out on a good clear night out here and see the and look at heaven and you see just the, the stars spread out from, from, from horizon to horizon everywhere. And you know that those, that those are, that many of those are so many times larger than the earth that it's, it's hard to even fathom how large they are. And Peter said, the, Lord's, the day of the Lord's coming like a thief. And when he does, all of that is going to be dissolved. Like you poured it into a bottle of water and it was gone. Stop with the universe, he said, in the earth. <laughs> I've flown over Mount Everest three different times. You talk about massive. Somewhere on my phone, among those six or seven thousand pictures that are on there, there's a picture, and it's from an airplane. You can see the wheel of this little airplane. The door was duct tape. Just trust God. 
and I've taken that, and it looks, with Sergio, it looks like clouds. You're like, man, those are some cool-looking clouds, but when you zoom in the picture, that's Mount Everest sticking up above the clouds. You think about how massive, incredibly massive, Bible said it's going to be gone like that. Peter said, you've got to think about this. Paul said to the Hebrews, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Where will you run to? Where will you hide? Where will you go? On judgment day, if you neglect, not fight against. Not, he didn't say if you fight against salvation. No, he didn't. He said if you just neglect it. Oh, I got stuff I got to do. Come on, preacher, hurry up. Come on, preacher, you're running out of time. You got to hurry. I got some place to go. I got some place to be. I got other stuff I'd rather do. You got to hurry, preacher. He said, no, he said, if you neglect so great salvation, how shall we escape? The rich man in hell begged for one drop of water. He didn't ask for a whole bottle of water. He didn't say, hey, give me a cup of water. He said, if I could just get one drop, it'd be better than what I'm dealing with right now. For I am tormented. Matthew said it's an unquenchable fire. In Matthew 8, he said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew 10, he said the body will be destroyed. Matthew 13, it's a furnace of fire with wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, it's outer darkness. Matthew 25, it's an eternal fire. There's no, it's never going to go out. Mark 9, three times, he said it's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. Luke said it's a place of torment. Jude said it's blackness and darkness forever. How can a place be burning with fire and be black and dark at the same time? For eternity. Revelation 19, a lake burning with fire and brimstone. Revelation 20, a bottomless pit. No end to it. And Revelation 20 said there'll be tormented day and night forever. And Peter said, the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. In his next phrase, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. I wonder if while he stood there talking to the church, maybe in an outdoor service of some sort, he said, all these things shall be dissolved. Maybe he pointed over to their house and said, it's going to be dissolved. Maybe it was trees. Maybe it was the entire city. It's all going to be dissolved. It's all going to go. He said, seeing that all this is going to pass away. All the stuff that you're living for. All the stuff that you're missing church for. All the stuff that you're compromising your values for. 
It's all going to be dissolved. That girl you're texting going to be dissolved. That lady you're flirting with at work going to be dissolved. All that stuff you're missing church to make the money to buy, it's all going to be dissolved. All the hobbies that you skip prayer for, it's going to be gone. There's no fishing after the, after the judgment of God. There's no hunting. There's no, there's no basketball, no golf, no salt. There's none of that. It's all going to be gone. It's going to be dissolved. It's going to be gone. Sing then that all these things. The clothes you're wearing that are ungodly are going to be dissolved. All the stuff that you're putting between you and God, it's all going to be dissolved. And he said, sing that. None of this stuff is going to survive. What manner of person ought you to be? What kind of person should I be? What kind of man should I be? Understanding that everything in this world is going to be dissolved. How should I be? What kind of man? What, kind, what manner of person ought I to be? Should I be hateful, spiteful, vengeful, carnal, worldly, selfish, unfaithful, prayerless, sinful? What kind of person should I be? Should I be a gossip? Knowing that all this stuff's going to... What kind of person should I be? He's saying you ought to live your life understanding that judgment's coming. And everything you do, what manner of person should I be? In conversation and in godliness. Is that what it says? Can you throw that verse up for me? What manner of persons ought I to be? What kind of person? I'll go back and read it. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Conversation does not mean what you talk necessarily. It means manner of life, in conduct, in behavior. How should I behave myself? Knowing that the judgment of God is coming. Why? Knowing that the Lord's coming back. Why would I risk? Why would I risk? Anything. What in the world would be worth? He said understanding that it's all going to be dissolved. What manner of person should I be? Should I let people drive me away from God? Should I let things and lust of this world get between me and serving the Lord? Should I let what to look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world? Should I let anything in this world keep me? It's all going to be dissolved. So now, when you understand that all that's going to be gone, what kind of person should I be? What manner of person 
in conversation, in manner of life, in conduct. I'm going to tell you the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy of heaven is not the drug dealer. Somebody pray for me. I have to get myself in trouble. I feel it coming on. The biggest enemy of heaven is not the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or the gay rights agenda or the gray rights. <laughs> Got tongue tied. The greatest enemy of heaven is not sports, pornography, murderers. The greatest enemy of heaven are churches that tell you you can live however you want and everything's okay. Do whatever you want. As long as you take the right hand of fellowship, everything will be okay. That's a lie that's been spewed and belched out of the belly of hell. It matters how you live. He said, how, what kind of person should I be? What kind of person should I be on Monday? teenager she, she would she would get on the bus dressed one way get to school go in the bathroom and change her clothes to fit in and then before she got on the bus to go home she'd change back So that when she got off the bus, mom and pop didn't know. Oh, it's, other than the babies, I didn't hear nothing on that one. Is that the man or person I ought to be? See that everything in this world is going to be dissolved? That the person that I wanted to dress like that for is not even going to make it? And I'm going to give my soul to this world? What man or person? You don't want me to preach this way. We want to patty cake Jesus. We want to pat you on the head, Jesus, everything. No, I got to be saved. What kind of person do I need to be? What kind of life do I need to live? What kind of life do
Brother so-and-so. Sister, so and so, do you hear about this? Oh, I'll tell you. Don't worry about it. Do you hear about the girl in the youth group? It's not. It's having some stress. Seeing that all of these things are going to be dissolved. Why? If I really believe that. Why am I talking to you about them instead of to him about them? What manner of person? What manner of person ought I to be? Seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved. What manner of man should I be? Carson, you know what it feels like to feel this kind of, pray for me, please. Pray for me, please. Pray for me. Pray that somehow I can get what I'm feeling in here out to somebody else. What kind of daddy should I be? What kind of dad should I be? Old pastor getting a little long-winded. If you don't hurry up, I'm going to miss kickoff. Oh, oh, oh. He said, give me five more minutes. That means I got ten more to go. And then the pastor says, okay, let's stand. Come on, we got to go. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. We ain't got time for altar service. We got to go. Come on, we got to get to the restaurant. We got to get kickoff. I ain't got time. Come on, babies. Hey, you can learn how to pray later. I got more important stuff than watching you go to an altar. What manner of dad should I be? Sorry you got snagged. Now you're going to be my son and I'm your dad. Who's your dad? Would everybody please stand? Let's lift our hands and Pastors don't think I'm not a good dad if you don't stand. Oh, I don't like that song. Oh, he's preaching holiness. I don't want to do that. I won't be able to do what I want. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do it when I come here, but when I'm at my place, I'll do what I want. Is that what you want to teach your little boy? Is that what you want to raise him to be like? That it doesn't matter if it's time to worship. I'm not really into worship. Here's how I here, here's how I am in church. Game. Woo! Woo! Here's what 
I just taught you. Give it to God. Give it to the world. Woo! Is that the man or person I want to be? Is that what I want to teach my children? I'm preaching some real stuff to us today. The judgment of God is coming. Whatever it takes, I got to be saved. Whatever it takes, whatever kind of person I got to be. said that? What right does he have to tell me what I ought to do on Monday and Tuesday? You know what I'm doing? I'm pumping rebellion. It's like, it's like putting the deadliest drug in a syringe. Head. And I'm filling their brain. And then when the police show up, I don't know how he, I didn't teach him how to do that. Yes, you did. When worship wasn't important and prayer wasn't important and preaching wasn't important and holy, you did, you pumped it into his brain. You put it in his soul. What manner of man ought I to be? says in, the verse, in verse 12 the next verse looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God not putting it out of my mind not putting it off but living like it's coming right now I'm looking for it yes. I'm looking for it 
hasting. It's coming quick. Until the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire, he said it again, shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt. With He's trying to tell them again, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's all going to be gone. All the stuff you're living for is going to be gone. You think, okay, you made your point. It's three verses in a row. Give it a rest, preacher. Verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, you're watching for it. You're being careful about it. He said, be diligent. That you may be found of him in peace. Be diligent. Don't be lazy. Don't be lethargic. Be aware. Be on watch. Be diligent. So that when he comes, you can be at peace. Oh, I remember my pastor, Brother James Ball. Bishop Wilson, I remember him preaching. Oh, I can hear him say over and over and over. If you knew Brother Ball, he didn't have not one ounce of excitement in him. He was as dry. He just talked. But what I would give for one more time to hear him say, he said, for some, the coming of the Lord is a promise. And for others, it's a threat. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. One of these days, Devin, one of these days, trumpet's going to sound, son. And I love you, Devin. I'm proud of you. One of these days, that trumpet's going to sound. And when it sounds, only those that have made themselves ready are going to go. Woo, when it sounds. I can't hardly help but get excited when I think about it. Oh, man. Oh, hallelujah. When, when the Lord looks at that angel and says, lift that trumpet and sound it, I'm done. And that sound reverberates not only throughout the earth, but it reverberates throughout the generations and the dead in Christ start to, start to sit up. J. Frank Wilson comes up out of that grave. Lillian Wilson comes up out of that grave. Patrick Wilson comes up out of that grave. James Williams comes up out of that grave. A.Q. Lemons and Bernice come up out of that grave. They come up out of that grave at the sound of that trumpet. And then we, as if we're trying to catch hold, we're reaching out to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the promise. Oh, 
get up. Praise God. I'm going to meet in the air. And so it's going to, what a day that will be. With my Jesus I shall see. Oh, man. But somewhere in this room there's somebody saying, no, not now. I'm not ready. Preach something else, preacher. Preach something else. Don't preach that. Don't talk about I can't. I'm not ready. What manner of person should I be the kind of person that has to get nervous when the preacher preaches about the rapture? Or should I be the kind of person that says, come quickly, Lord Jesus? What man of person should I be? As your eyes are closed all over this place. There is nothing. Absolutely nothing worth going to hell for. Not anything, not any issue. There is nothing worth being lost for. And seeing then that all these things, Sister Wilson, back in the 90s when I was a youth pastor, there was a lady that used to come to this church before I ever came. I would hear stories how she used to shout and how she used to pray and how on fire for God she was. By the time I got here, she was gone. She was in the world. I saw her one day in a store and I just was chit-chatting with her, talking to her. I was telling her how good God, oh, he's so good. I know he's good. Holy Ghost is so good. Yes, he's so good. I said, do you ever miss the days you were in church? She said, I miss it so bad I can't stand it. She said, I miss feeling the presence of God. I said, so what keeps you from coming back? She said, stuff. She's still not back. Been 25 years or more. Stuff. Stuff. All that stuff is going to be dissolved. You ever build a sandcastle? And watch as the wave comes in? dissolved like sand through her fingers it's going to be gone and if something doesn't happen she's going to stand before the Lord 
and she's going to have to give an account. I backslid over this, but where is it? It's dissolved. I backslid over because of this person. Well, where they're dissolved. I backslid because I wanted to do this. Where, where is it? It's dissolved. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person ought I to be? on the altars open. I wouldn't let anything that's going to be dissolved keep me from coming to God.
to be some wailing. There ought to be some seriousness here. I need you, Jesus. I need you, God. I got to be ready. I got to be ready.
want to reach over and pray for somebody close to you, just ask the Lord. Ask his goodness and mercy. If you never repented of your sins, today is a great day. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today is a great day. pray one for another. We've got one being baptized in Jesus' name. If there's anyone else that would like to be baptized, today can be your day. Every sin washed away. Isn't that awesome? A brand new beginning, a brand new
We've got a baby dedication in a little bit. But one of the family members being baptized in Jesus' name. So you can hang out, you can pray, you can go. But we're going to do a baby dedication after we do a new birth in Jesus' name. 